Can I use my voice, my Spider Harrison voice? Hello. Welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of August 13, 2012. This is episode 159, and I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today in studio, yawning. Well, they wow. can't see that. Why would you call me out? Or under. I was getting it out before we actually had to introduce ourselves, but. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Nice. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, on that note, I'm Jackie Rotaco, account coordinator with Interval. And I am Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Sup? Got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. We had a week off, right? Did we have a week off? Not really. Did we have a podcast? We didn't have one on iTunes last week, Not though, did last we? week. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we didn't? We had a week off? Yeah. Where was I at? Oh, you know, like St. Thomas Islands? I was oh. in Arkansas. Well, well, I guess that depends if today's goes up as last week's or if... Today's goes up as today's. Oh. As last, <laughs> it just last won't go up till tomorrow, Wednesday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, we'll, so we'll, <laughs> Okay. So, so we are doing one for this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yep. It's just kind of... Now we're going back in time instead of forward in time. Mm-hmm. People just must hate this. Let's not talk about it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in Arkansas last week at the Ashmapur... Um, conference and I had a good time. He had the Joe public spiel. Do they really call it Ashmaper? Sh- uh, I don't know. Or do you just call it that? I mean, that's the acronym. Okay. And it's like Ishmaper, but with an A. Oh. It could be Ashmaper. <laughs> American so Arkansas bad. Society for Healthcare Marketing and Public Relations. Wow. I think that's right. But it went well. Arkansas, no Ashmaper. Arkansas Society. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it went well. <laughs> Good audience. Uh, a couple other news points. I am going to be moderating a webcast on September 14th called Marketing and Metrics, the Cleveland Clinic and Fairview Way. So uh, the main presenters are going to be Paul Madsen, who's Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Cleveland Clinic, and Steph Bido-Zemer. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Steph. Uh, Director of Marketing at Fairview. And I will be lending my facilitation and commentary to the presentation. And it looks like if you sign up, I just got this on the promo. If you sign up for this webinar, you get a free copy of the book, A Marketer's Guide to Measuring Results. (laughs) So now I can actually say they can't give that thing away. (laughs) That was my second book. $129 value. If I ever saw wow. one for, for free. free. So rush out and get that if only for the book, but for great content from Paul and Steph. So that is Wednesday, uh, September 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And also it is that time of year to start pimping Shushmid. Yeah, it's coming up. Shushmid pimp. Uh, what can we say about Shushmid? Philadelphia this year. Uh, I am presenting, co-presenting a pre-conference workshop on Wednesday of the conference with Chris Boyer of Anova Health System. The title of our show is The Metamorphosis of a Digital Strategy. Metamorphosis. Oh. What's that? Are you going to use butterflies? Yeah, that's what I think of. What are I you talking know. about? This sounds like a yeah, sort of 
magical term or something. I don't know. Somebody from the Legion of Doom. Yes. I think of caterpillar to butter- butterfly, but <coughs> I'm a girl. Quick, name somebody from the Legion of Doom. Go. Is it a movie? No, I've never, I've never been on, big in comic books. I was going to say, I've never been big in comic books. Solomon I wish I was. Grundy. Solomon Grundy. Yeah, totally. He's like a big. I could maybe name someone dude. from the Archie comics. Archie? Yeah, Archie. Archie. Veronica. Mm hmm. Betty. Yep. Jughead. Jughead. Oh, Who's the other heard. guy? Who's kind of the, the douchebaggy guy? Dark hair. Uh, Rico? No. I think Rico, all. Is that what you said? <laughs> Tito? I don't remember his name. Oh, come on. Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, and. It's got to be like Ace or Stud or. Was it Ace? It wasn't Ace, but he had dark hair and he was kind of the jock guy. Oh. Uh, Steve. I'm looking it up. <laughs> Steve. All right, Brad. Or something like that. Uh, go ahead and look it up while I continue to talk about Pimp Shushmid. Uh, so that is Wednesday. That's a three-hour workshop. We're going to cover lots of good stuff, very interactive. So please join us for that. We're also, once again, bringing you Branding at the Bar. Woo! For the fun. Thursday evening of the uh, conference, right there on site at the hotel where the conference is being hosted Mm -hmm. Uh, from five to seven o'clock we will have trivia prizes big prizes yeah big big prizes no whammies no whammies big money big Big money money. yeah we're just gonna be handing out cash Mm -hmm. and of course as always drinks Uh, a little different setup this time we have some new um, partners new sponsorship partners for Brain at the Bar our friends at Medicom and Eruptor Mm -hmm. will be joining us should be fun. It should be a good time for all. So stop by if you're planning on being in Philadelphia. Cool. Find out his name? Yep. No, I thought Chet. Reggie. Reggie! Chet. Damn it. For Christ's sake, would you put some pants on? <laughs> <laughs> Chet is the friend. You guys will never. This is really bad. Sorry. Chet is the Hardy Boys friend. Joe and Frank Hardy's friend was Chet. He owned a jalopy. <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, that's it for the news. Um, we got a couple topics we want to dive into, but first we do want to pat ourselves on the back a little bit and celebrate the launch of a client's website that we helped design and guide and develop, mm-hmm. Anova Health System. So if you go to Anova.org, you can see their new site, and I think it's fair to say it rocks. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. They did well, a good job so. executing it. Yeah. We're all like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> really cool. Really cool for a lot of ways. I think that uh, the um, user design is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very simple, very clean, uh, very engaging. It uses our preferred mobile format of, re- well, is that the right way to say it? Practice. Practice of format, responsive yes. design. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of the very few hospital websites, organization sites that are fully responsive. Mm-hmm. Which is fantastic. Uh, it includes wellness on demand, which we love that. They have so many wellness offerings and, and help them develop kind of a way to package those and present those. So lots of cool things. Mm-hmm. And we have yet to even post about this on our own site because we're lame and we've been yeah. traveling. It's the first mention. <clears throat> so we're going to post something up there. Uh, it's pretty easy to find at Innova.org. But they've done some cool things to talk about what the website does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll link to those so you can kind of see what the features are. And um, They have some fun over at Innova. We have some internal videos and 
good times. Good times. So check that out. We're very excited about it. Okay. <laughs> Ready to move on to some healthcare marketing content, news, stories, discussion. I have Why, one sure. that's very applicable and then one that's a big, hairy. Hairy non-applicable? A, a big, you know, one of those big, thick ones that it's makes your head hurt. Unkempt? Is that what you're saying? It's, un- it's hairy and unkempt. <laughs> Is unkempt ever used ever used for anything other than hair? Is it used for like rooms? Like, can, is your or room people. unkempt? People see. are unkempt. Yeah, I think I feel like I've thrown that out there before about people. <laughs> Usually, it's hair, right? Yeah, Her hair is unkempt. Mm-hmm. Have you ever Having, heard the word "kempt" used? Well, here's the definition on, on messy. It's just messy, not unkempt. Not Having an untidy or disheveled appearance. Yes, disheveled. Yes, disheveled. So there's another one. It's awesome. Unkempt and disheveled. <laughs> Are you ever shoveled? Are you ever, come on, babe, let's go out to dinner. I'm all shoveled. I'm shoveled and ready to go. I'm shoveled and ready to is go. Is it a word? Or is that redundant to say I'm shoveled and ready to go? I think shoveled by definition would infer that you're ready to go, as would Kempt. Yes. I'm Kempt and shoveled. I'm very Kempt and sh- That's redundant. <laughs> it's like saying I'm tall and whatever and synonym for tall is. <laughs> all right. Uh, Erect? I, th- I think you found this article. <laughs> Jackie from eMarketer. Did I? Um, what's funny about eMarketer is that they seem to refer to themselves in the first person. Really? Yeah. And I think they, they mean it as like the company, but they don't say like here at eMarketer or we at eMarketer. Mm-hmm. They just say eMarketer like it's an entity. <laughs> Search as eMarketer defines it. Anyway, the, the, the <laughs> article is called Search Undervalued Critical to Brand Campaigns. Search leads consumers to new branded content. Uh, Here's a couple excerpts. Search is not just for direct response marketing anymore, and its use for branding tends to be far more subtle than when used simply to drive a sale. And this is is what I mean. So the article is posted at eMarketer. When considering whether or not to weave search into a brand's total campaign, there is one simple and arguable reason why brands should use it, said eMarketer. Search is where the audience can be found. Which, yes, that is the power of search. Uh-oh, mm-hmm. Adam's frowning. You don't <laughs> oh, believe that's where the audience can be found? That sounds good. Oh, that was not a frown, apparently. I'll go with that. So their point basically is that you need to think about search in terms of building your brand and not just in terms of um, driving sales, which, of course, driving sales, by definition, does build your brand. So there mm-hmm. might be a little bit of a cyclical nature to this, but... Uh, part of this says, uh, moreover, search results influence consumer perceptions about a company. This is really um, interesting, and I tried to find the resource or the original source content for the survey information, but I couldn't find it, so we're going to have to pick at it a little. According to 81% of the respondents worldwide in a November 2011 study from Weber Shanwick, that is 81% of respondents said search results influence their consumer perceptions about a company. Quote, even the absence of a brand from search results could influence consumers by subliminally implying the brand is not important in the context of whatever the search query involved. And I totally agree with that, said eMarketer. So the statistics, this is the part where I pick a little bit. Uh, From the Weber Shanwick, quote, the company behind the brand in reputation we trust study from Weber Shanwick. 
What percentage of people say the following are very or somewhat influential on their perceptions about companies? What do you think number one is? What's the number one answer? What influences your perception about a company? Well, I have it right in front of me, so. We talk about no, this all I the time. Not, and you're not looking for something just vague like their brand? I would say friends. Yeah. Word of mouth. Ding, ding, ding. What people say. Mm-hmm. 88%. Two is online reviews. Sure. There you go, 83%. Three is online search results, which is really um, interesting. 81% of people said that online search results influence the perception about a company. I can see that. This seems high, but... It seems high. That's what I was thinking. It seems high, but I pay attention to that when I'm searching, for sure. I, but it influences your perception about a company? So like you see you see a Google search result page and all of a sudden you're like, well, that company sucks and that one's good. Well, that depending upon strong. where they appear on the page, doesn't uh, that lend maybe. to some credit, credibility for the company? Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I think about myself and I, well, that's part of the problem with this is, of course, this is all based on what people say, not based on reality. Well, yeah. Which, that's as another. you know, I don't believe are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, it says news sources, 79%. I assume they mean news sources, a little <laughs> typo there. Uh, company website, 74 awards and rankings, 63 company leader communications, 59 advertising, 56 social networks, 49. So it's interesting that f- social networks is 49%. I wonder what they mean and by that. And what people say is 88. What's the difference? Yeah. So that's probably where I would turn to get feedback from yeah. friends, to be honest. Mm. You don't wander out in your backyard and mosey up to the fence. And- <laughs> friends! <laughs> come hither! Like home improvement style? Wilson? Or what's the guy's name? Is that Wilson? Wilson, Sh- yeah. What's that? that? Home improvement style? Yeah. All right. So I think the main point of this little blurb, just as a reminder, is that search is part of your brand building efforts. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not sure that you would think about it in terms of what can we do on search to improve our brand for that purpose alone. The things that you do on search will impact your brand. Does that make sense? It does. In other words, I don't think you should like say, okay, how are we going to build our brand? Let's go out there and do something on search. I mean, you Mm -hmm. should be improving your SEO for that sake because it will drive more people to your website and the right people to your website. And you should be effectively using search engine marketing techniques the same reason in more targeted fashion. But in doing all those things, that definitely impacts your brand. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I totally I think people agree. People forget that. Totally agree. I totally agree with that. <laughs> Pretty easy. That was kind of a. It's hard to get your head around that one, isn't it? It's kind <laughs> yeah. of cyclical. That was mind It's like circles need to be round. Therefore, when you make something round, it's a circle. Hard to that get your head around in depth, in depth analysis for the day. Really? That's such a weird saying. Get your head around. No, to get your head around something. You can't really get your head around anything. That's why it's difficult. (laughs) (laughs) You can put your arms around something. I can put my arms around both of you right now. I think I think somewhere somebody got that confused. (laughs) Somebody got that confused. To get their head around something? To get your head around something. They said hands and they said head and it stuck. Maybe their mind around something? Get my mind around it. Yeah. Can't get my brain wrapped around it. Hear that one a lot. (laughs) Right? Yeah. No? All right, all right. Here comes our um, social, cultural, psychological discussion. 
But this story just stuck with me, and it bothers me. Uh, and I will refer you to a post that I wrote in March called Can You Sleep at Night? And there had been some um, things in the news, and obviously we still talk about health care reform in regards to Obamacare and our system and blah, blah, blah. And so the question is, can you as a healthcare marketer feel good about your role in the system mm-hmm. if the system is inefficient and ineffective and um, you are spending money that could be going to help people? Right. And the answer, my answer was, hey, if you are being ethical and you are effectively driving in the people who need to be driven in for the right kind of care, then that is a, an important part of the system and you should feel fine, mm-hmm. whether you call it marketing or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but uh, my girlfriend, who's a social worker, doesn't let it lie there. Uh, so she's the one who forwarded me this story from the New York Times. Maybe you guys saw this. Hospital chain inquiry cited unnecessary cardiac work. I did, yeah. Uh, it's a huge story. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But this is the um, gist of it. And HCA which is the largest, yep, the largest for-profit hospital chain in the United States, this is right from the story, has uncovered evidence as far back as 2002 and as recently as late 2010 showing that some cardiologists at several of its hospitals in Florida were unable to justify many of the procedures they were performing. For example, at Lawnwood, let me get this right, Lawnwood Regional Medical Center at Fort Pierce, Okay, so retirement area, where an invasive diagnostic test known as cardiac catheterization is performed, about half of the procedures, or 1,200, were determined to have been done on patients without significant heart disease, according to a confidential 2010 review. Now, of course, HCA has their obligatory response, which makes me laugh. (laughs) HCA denies its decisions at these hospitals were motivated by financial considerations, but rather, quote, demonstrate the strong focus we have on quality patient care, unquote. The company also says that more than 80% of its hospitals are in the top 10% of government rankings for quality, which is really not a strong advocacy, I don't think. But it's interesting to me that a for-profit company would go out of its way to say, hey, the number one driver of our business, we're not thinking about that in terms of profit. No, not us. (laughs) Come on, you know? And it it even gets into the, I mean, it really gets into the nitty-gritty of this. Um, And there, well, we could get political with it, too. I'll pull out part of this quote later. Um, HCA has more than 100 catheterization labs across the country, and the one at Lawnwood was a financial juggernaut. It accounted for 35% of the hospital's net profits. Wow. Wow. So saying that's not financially motivated. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> In fact, one of the physicians from Lawnwood's cardiac cath lab, Dr. Prasad Chalsani, was highlighted by the hospital in a 2009 business plan as being the most profitable doctor at the facility. Quote, our leading EBITDA MD, the plan described him. EBITDA, for those of you that know finance, is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, and is probably the best benchmark of corporate earnings. So they literally called him the EBITDA MD. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so here's the political part, too, and I'll not leave it alone. ACA exemplifies the trend, um, and the trend they're talking about is 
consolidation and for-profit. In 2006, HCA was taken private by a group of private equity firms, including Bain Capital, the firm co-founded by Mitt Romney. Gong. Of course, by that time, Mitt Romney was no longer a partner in Bain. By mid-2010, the private equity owners were eager to start cashing out of their investment while HCA prepared for an initial public offering of its stock that took place in 2011. It borrowed to pay the private equity firm $4.3 billion in dividends. Do you guys know how equity firms work? It's fascinating. Mm, I don't. Oh, my gosh. It'd be like somebody buying our company and then borrowing every red cent it could through the company, so corporate debt, paying itself as the consultant in astronomical fees and then leaving the company to die from over from debt. Hmm. It's amazing. It's an amazing, wonderful part of our capitalist. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I I didn't mean to get political. It does serve roles. If it's done right, if it's purposely to, if it's purposely to buy a company that's in distress Mm -hmm. and either break it up or fix it, but they do many times tend to suck them dry by overloading them with debt, paying themselves handsomely, and then they don't give a crap whether it survives or not because they've made their money. Right. Pretty disgusting. Anyway, (laughs) all of this leads to the question, can you still sleep at night? Is it enough to just do your job ethically as a marketer? Or should we take further steps if we are charged with driving service line business, for example, to say, is this ethical? Are we, can we really handle all these patients? Are these patients really in need of this service? What do you guys think? I would, I would lean towards the social responsibility side and say, yes, we have a responsibility to keep those things in mind. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not your organization will allow you to act on that, the path that you choose in terms of where you want, how you want to be responsible, you know, that's another question. And then whether or not you want to hang your hat on an organization that allows you to act ethically or not. I mean, then it's, I guess there's so many levels to it. Like what, what's your preference? What's your organization's preference? You know, where's the middle of the road there? If do those align? Maybe not. Maybe they do. I don't know, but. I'd be curious to know how much marketing actually went into what happened here. Yeah, that's a good question. How big of a role marketers actually played in any of that? Yeah. Well, undoubtedly there was some marketing to drive that business in. Right. Who knows what it was, but um, it just is. It just brings that question of you know our system is broken in this way mm-hmm. that the people, the people with the supply of the product are in control of the demand, yeah, and are incented to drive up demand because they make more money, mm-hmm. and it just hurts everybody. And we're kind of part of that puzzle. And I wonder if there's a difference between nonprofit and for profit. That's what I, was wondering, I, I tend yeah. to think there is, uh, because if you're for profit like HCA, you have to meet analyst expectations, shareholder demand. You have to drive a profit, and so you're much more incented to push the boundaries to do so mm-hmm. than if you're nonprofit, where you can you can achieve the same level of success as a for profit, uh, invest in new technology, hire at the right level, do all the things that takes right. money-wise to have a successful organization without needing the added leftover dividends and profit 
for the shareholders yeah. that for-profit does. So I really wonder if there's a difference there. There's a or difference. If I'm just, if I'm just making, <clears throat> making non- letting nonprofits off the hook. Probably a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, th- I mean, you look at, I mean, clearly, clearly, quote unquote, nonprofits are still driven by being profitable and they still have people on staff with crazy salaries and you know, not that I'm saying that's wrong or right, you know, um, but, you know, you still, they, if they're hiring CEOs that are, you know, of the caliber that could be at a for-profit, they're still going to be, so they I mean, they're still, they're still paying for a lot of the same things that a for-profit is yeah. paying for. They still need to be profitable in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times I think they're, and, and there's, and they have to compete with the for-profits. So they, right. I don't do know. They have, I don't think they have to be quote unquote profitable in the end. As long, I mean, it depends on what you mean by profit, but if there's money left over at the end, it doesn't need to be near as much as a for-profit because right. a for-profit literally has to feed the beast that are shareholders. The other thing that's different in my mind is at many for-profits, leadership is incented by stock price, um, mm-hmm. by profits. Uh, and so, I mean, that was the big problem in the 2000s where all kinds of companies were, they, they you know, Clinton, this is really political, sorry, but... <laughs> you know, they're worried about all the, the leverage buyouts and all the ridiculous payment plans. So they put a cap on executive um, compensation at like a million bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And then all that did was drive companies to find other ways to pay right. CEOs. Right. And they did it Doing by saying, things. giving them huge bonuses tied to stock options and stocks, right. which pushed CEOs to make decisions. Well, we got to keep drumming up profits mm-hmm. so our stock price goes up so I make my money. At a nonprofit, you don't have those incentives. You don't have the additional incentive. Once you're paid, you're paid. Right. You may have incentives, bonus incentives, based on other things. Um, but I think it's pretty rare that they're based on margin. It's based more on quality or patient satisfaction, at least in our world. Mm-hmm. So you take away the incentive of companies going, you know, we need more money because we've got to we got to keep the beast fed. Right, right. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm no financial wizard, but it does make me wonder whether there is a, enough of a difference. Um, but even then, if they're all nonprofits, you've got a, you've got a whole industry that's for-profit that's feeding off of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and you, you, you watch the behavior, too, of some of the people in the nonprofits, and they're behaving very much behind the scenes like some of the for-profit people. I say this firsthand, just watching how... You know the country club memberships and the abuse of you know what people are doing is and the way the way that they're treating referring physicians, you know, kind of pam whining and dining and pampering. I mean, there's a lot of just kind of sketchy stuff that goes on that you wouldn't even think would be happening in the for-profit world, but it certainly does. I mean, the nonprofit or the, the sorry, yes, yeah. the nonprofit world, the for-profit world. Yeah, all that stuff it, is. We excu- know what happens. <laughs> ex- I guess, for lack of a better word, excusable. I mean, that's fine that's just kind of how the game is played there but it shouldn't be played that way i wouldn't think in the in the nonprofit. yeah well but it's it is i think it's an interesting question mm-hmm. of whether healthcare should be it's one thing to have healthcare. well maybe it's not it's one thing to have healthcare handled by the private sector quote unquote as opposed to government uh but i think it's another one to say that there is for profit i just don't know how you yeah, there's no way you get away from that. Yeah, because even if you made all providers nonprofit, you still have folks like us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a small tick on the butt of 
the big giant budget, but <laughs> the big you know, unkept, far, unkempt unkept, butt, far, pharmaceutical <laughs> med tech being two of the biggest, and a lot of health insurers like United Healthcare that are for profit. Yeah, I don't know. How do you force all them to be nonprofit? I mean, how do you, where do you draw the line and say nobody can ever profit from healthcare? I mean, yeah. we could do what we do and be a nonprofit. Really? Yeah. We would just, whatever money is left over wouldn't go to the owners of the company. They would stay in the company. That's the only difference. Mm. It would take the incentive out of, of an owner wanting to create a successful company to a certain level. Right. But again, you can still be successful as a CEO of a nonprofit, mm-hmm. meaning you can get paid a lot of money. So I don't know. Interesting, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. We don't hear much from our, from our peeps on this. Whatever, it's just because it's so drop dead boring, or it hurts their brain, or they don't want to get fired by voicing their opinion. They'd rather not think about it. All right, well, let's end on a positive note. I have three topics: Olympics, summer movies, or other. We always talk about movies. What? We always talk about movies. So no movies, then I guess. Do Olympics? Right, that should be fresh in everyone's mind. They lasted. They ended yesterday. They did. Did you watch closing ceremony? I did not. And it was I saw bizarre. a little bit of it. It was kind of weird. It was just kind it. of random stuff. Lots of musicians and kind of weird things going on with the yeah. big setup. Quite, quite the spectacle, but I was wondering what was going on the whole time. Yeah, it felt a little disjointed. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't bad, but right. I, I didn't see the opening it was ceremony. Unkempt. It was unkempt. <laughs> it was unkempt. I, didn't, I, didn't see, yeah, totally. I didn't see the opening ceremony, but people were like <laughs> raving about it, just being I didn't awesome. I not either. So yeah, I was kind both. of, I kind of, I might need to go back and watch that. Did you but guys I, watch a lot of it? Uh, I wouldn't say a lot of it, but when I was on vacation, it was on quite a bit at the cabin we are in, and then um, we had it on a little bit over the last week as well. I was out I of loved town. It. Yeah. I was in a place where TV watching was not like so low on the list for the first half. Right. So I think that was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what I watched. I watched. I watched something live that was important when it happened. <laughs> Usain Bolt, maybe. Oh, yeah. And the 100. He's a character. And I watched something else. And then I watched the, the men's basketball yesterday, which was um, a much tighter game than anybody expected, but very frustrating to watch. Very frustrating to watch. The first half, there was like 40 fouls called. I swear, every play, there was a whistle. <laughs> It was insane. Against us or against other teams? Well, it went against both sides pretty bad. And it was, it was just like, that's the, that's the number of fouls in a typical game. And they called it maybe in the first half. And it was, it was bad. Kind and also ridiculous. they played Spain. And Spain is notorious for flopping. And there was a couple times where you just go, you know, like in soccer, yeah. how people pretend they're injured. Oh. Well, the Europeans do that in basketball more than we do, way more. And it, it was embarrassing. They showed one guy who like was going for a loose ball, and there were like two guys jostling. And the one guy kind of puts his arm. The American kind of puts his arm out a little bit, just kind of glances. And the guy like throws his body back and flips his head back. It looks like he got shot by a shotgun. And they show it on the. And he gets a penalty called, a foul called. And they wow. show it. And it's like, dude. And I was trying to explain that, you know, like to folks I was watching with, they're like, "What's the problem?" I'm like, they're Spanish. I'm like, "No, that's just not manly." It's, just <laughs> it's embarrassing. So anyway, falling in mid-air. Did you watch a lot? I think you did. So you did, right? I did. Yeah, I watched quite a bit of it actually. Did you like it? Yeah, I actually like pretty. I mean, it was easy for me to get into any sport that was on. I mean, there are some that are still kind of ridiculous and boring, but 
There are some that are pretty interesting, like rhythmic gymnastics. And for very obvious reasons, the Italian men's water polo team (laughs) yesterday was really (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. It's amazing to watch. I think it's amazing to watch the Olympics or no Olympics, anything. When you watch people who have like devoted their lives to something, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Just watch watch them crumble. No, just to watch people who are great at something. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you go to like Cirque du Soleil or something, you are like, so in awe that people can do what they're doing. Yeah. Or if you go to just an amazing concert and watch musicians who have dedicated their lives to something or watch hell, turn on PBS and watch like, Bob Ross or watch um that might be a bad example Bob watch Ross. guys who do <laughs> happy trees painting these oh, happy dude. trees fluffy clouds I'm just, bad example is he the Usain Bolt <laughs> or people who <laughs> people who like do like wood like master woodcrafters making things it's like wh- that is so awesome we just watch people who are True. awesome at what they do so that's what that's what no I think is the is, yeah, yeah yeah so the Olympics it's like I'm the same way I could turn on any event at any time and just be like sit there with my mouth agape Agape? Agape. <laughs> Watching what's going on. Guapo. El Guapo. El Guapo. What is that from? Would you say three I have amigos? a plethora? Is that Three Amigos? Yeah. <laughs> um, El Guapo. So it was good. I, I yeah, think I'm bummed that it's over. My favorite to watch is probably, and I've never been a gymnast, but gymnastics is so amazing. Watching people do the yeah. flips and stuff that they're doing. And mm-hmm. That's mind-blowing. Little more so, I think, than some of the other sports, which are still impressive, but just it's not quite as. Yeah. Swimming, I like watch swimming. I don't track used to be when I was growing up like the thing, mm-hmm. like Carl Lewis and Edwin Moses and these people were like I watched Superstars. track meets that were just on like weekends. They were such big deals. Yeah, and it's now not it's just anymore. Gone. Is it? Yeah. You don't hear about it other than the Olympics, really. But the U.S. did pretty good in the track and field. Yeah, yeah it's not good. Like it. Um, the Lolo Jones thing was pretty interesting. That guy from New York Times just ripped her a new one, mm-hmm. and now he's getting ripped. Oh, he was, about like, um, so harsh on her. Is she is she was like the really beautiful woman, and he was ripping on her for fa- her fashion. Basically, something or whatever. Saying she's 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 only there to promote herself. That she's the track equivalent of Anna Kornikova, if you remember her, who is the beautiful Russian tennis player yep. who never won a match or never won a tournament or right. a, a major or anything significant. Um, the difference is Lolo Jones holds like multiple indoor right, track right. records. Right, and you have one, to qualify. One, the U.S. track, turn, whatever, the most recent one. So she's not anything close to that. Right. She just hasn't been able to win a, a gold in the Olympics. Yeah. And he just he just tore into her. It was really over-the-top bad. I saw something on the Today Show where um, they were talk, they are interviewing her and asking she her about crying, that. And she yeah. was in tears, just like, that's so unfair. And I yeah. was like, that... Yeah, I mean, I didn't read the article, but I was like, I felt bad for her there. Her story is pretty interesting because she grew up in Des Moines, and her family was was really struggled, and her dad left at a certain point. They lived in like a church, basically homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this guy was like accusing her of using that story. He said something like, what a "Trumped up, tear jerking story to help build her brand or something." It was just like, yeah, he was kind of like a jerk. It's like who. Who peed in your Cheerios? Why yeah. you, who's using who's using <laughs> someone help. or something else to prop themselves up? Yeah, so exactly. like this douchebag writing this article. The editor of the New York Times actually had to like they got so much blowback on it that if you send in a comment that you can't even put comments on his column anymore, they cut that off, and then they send like this can response back via email saying, you know, hey, every every reporter's got an opinion, he's got his right to his, but <laughs> for some reason we believe this went over the top. Not sure we agree with what he said, but that's editorializing. 
anyway. Interesting. So, so yeah, Olympics done. Now, <laughs> one question: Winter Olympics this winter, next, next winter. winter, right? What do you two mean winters. next winter? Two years. They're all two years. Space. Yeah. There's like, so there's like a like at least a one year gap between. It's it's so alternate. 2014. Yeah. 2014. So that's three winters actually. Because it? it happens in February. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Is it? No, no, it's two. 2013 to 2014. Yeah. Right? And it's in... Where is it? It's in, we looked it up last night. Now so I don't remember. where is it? Oh, Russia. Oh, interesting. Really? I, uh-huh. I, I don't think I have seen... When did Russia's flag become what it is at the Olympics? I was like, that's Russia's flag? It was like, it was like red, white, and blue, but it was just like three stripes. Really? Yeah. Are you I, sure? Yeah, because that's what they were running around. It was like that looks. That's it wasn't the big red. Interesting. Field with the yeah. Hammer. No. No. Well, that's kind of the Soviet Union. Right. <laughs> uh, so I've never seen Russia's flag. That's interesting. <laughs> until now, yeah, it was. But it was also it was also struck me that it was red, white, and blue. It's like whoa, huh? There are a lot of red, white, like and blue France. flags. There are. Yeah. And somebody else. Who else has red, white, and blue? Some big country. I can't remember. Great Britain. <laughs> no. Great Britain is red, white, and blue too, isn't it? Huh? Great I think he's making a joke. I think he's making a joke. I was making a joke. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, it was that bad. All right, time I'm to like, sign what? off. For the Olympiad version of arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, this is Chris Bevelo, Jackie Ritaco, and Adam Meyer. See you in the next games. Where are the next games? Russia. What's mm-hmm. the next summer games? Rio de Janeiro. Real? Oh, wow! Ooh. How about that? We have to go I'm to going. those. We're gonna be. be we'll awesome. do a live. We'll do a live show from. We that will. One. That'll be episode number one million <laughs> six hundred no three four years from now. We'll do about fifty. Oh, uh, we'll all be gone. Fifty times four is two hundred. Three hundred fifty. Episode three hundred ninety nine. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>